0: We're in Mark's Gospel, I always thought it'd be cool to have my name in lights. I can say, after nine weeks of Mark's Gospel and looking up every time I hear Mark, it's not all it's cracked up to be. I hope you're enjoying this series Mark writes this book for one reason and that's to put Jesus' name in lights Mark writes this book to introduce us to a king to introduce us so we can meet the king now one of the things that I've enjoyed the most is listening to all these different preachers coming up, all these different teachers. We've had a real diverse bunch of people, haven't we? And if I can use Bible language, it says in Titus that we're a peculiar people. We've had a real diverse and, and peculiar people on this series And I think, I just want to warn you, things might be getting a bit more peculiar. (laughs) Would you turn with me into Mark chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles with you. I've got it coming up on there. If you've got an iPad, you can flick, you can press, you can do whatever. It's it's the future, isn't it? Hey, let's join it at verse 7. Are we there? The crowds withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great crowd followed from Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan, and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him, because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him, To touch him. And whenever an unclean spirit saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Then he went up onto a mountain, and he called those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed the twelve, whom he also named apostles. So that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons, he appointed the twelve. Simon, who he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, who he called and gave the name, Phil, Berenerges, or the sons of thunder. Andrew and Philip, Bartholomew and Matthew, Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Let's just pray. Father, we do thank you that you are for us and that you are with us. Father, I thank you that you gather people, that you call people, And I thank you, Lord, for this gathering today. Thank you, Jesus, that you make it possible for us to come to you. And I ask, Holy Spirit, come. Do a work in us. And Lord, would you come and do a work through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time? Have you ever been in the right place at the wrong time? Or what about the wrong place but maybe the right time? Well, I've been remembering my time at Weight Watchers. I know, I know. You wouldn't believe it, would you? Hey, this athlete before you. Hey? I did attend Weight Watchers. And I can remember you used to stand there and wait in line. And at the end of the line there were a scary woman with a clipboard and a set of scales it would get to my turn and I'd get to the scales and I'd take my phone out <laughs> and my wallet and my keys and my shoes and my belt <laughs> every little else. And I'd stand on the scales and look at this scary lady in the eyes. And she'd go like that with a clipboard and point for you to sit down in the chair. Now, it was during this time when, when we were having a meeting afterwards, we used to pick up some lovely tips on how to beat the bulge. But it was this one time and she points me out. And she says, Mark... Tell me what it was like, for everybody who's new here, what it was like when you first came to Weight Watchers. And I thought about it, and I had a little tear in my eye, and I says, well, to be honest with you, Pam, I was scared. I was frightened, and I was a bit confused. And she says, why was that, Mark? I said, Pam, I thought it was Spanish for beginners. I hope you're not feeling that you're in the wrong place at the wrong time here at Freedom Church in Chester. I pray this afternoon as we meet the King together that faith is stirred in us. I hope we get a growing sense together that this is definitely very much the right place And very definitely, much the right time. That we are a called people. God is calling. We've heard it already. That we're an appointed people. And that we're a people who are going somewhere. We're people on a mission. Off script already. I've just had my MOT done on the car, and you'll be glad to know it's near Christmas, and it's passed with flying colours. I've had it checked for roadworthiness and emissions and safety, and we get a certificate at the end and a, a good Christmas. But uh, I think it's important for us as Christians. I think it's important for us as a church together that we have these checks before God. That we allow the Holy Spirit to come and check our hearts. I'm not a mechanic by any stretch of the imagination. But this afternoon I want us to have a look at our cam together. I want, us to, have, I want to, us to strip everything back and get back to basics and have a look at our cam. Now in a car, a cam, when it's connected to the power source and it's correctly timed, you get forward propulsion. It's my prayer today as we check and come before God. That will get our cam in place, rotating, and we'll get forward propulsion together. Understanding, calling, appointment, and mission. See what I've done? You like that? Understanding, calling, appointment, and mission is foundational to all that we are and all that we'll do at Freedom Church Chester. We are a called, appointed and missional people. And it's for such a time and place, maybe not the building, but Chester as this. That's where we're going this afternoon, okay? But that's not our starting point. We're going to be looking at the 12 people called and chosen by Jesus and and how their calling, appointment, and mission, how it looked, how it worked out. But that's not our starting point this afternoon. To begin to understand the calling, appointment, and mission of the twelve, we have to start with God. To enter into all that God is calling us to here at Freedom Church, we have to consider. And encounter Jesus in his calling, his appointment, and his mission. Hebrews puts it like this You sharing the heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who he appointed. We need to spend some time with Jesus. That's always good. Our calling, appointment and mission never started with us. It's initiated in the heart of God. Within the Godhead we see callings issued. We see appointments made. We see obedience in mission displayed. Calling, our cam starts within the Trinity. A call goes out from the Father. Whom shall I send? Who will go for me? And a call comes back. Here I am. Send me. The Father's delight. Prophet. Priest. King. The first apostle. The sent one. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We see within God Himself a calling forth and ascending forth. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but He sent Him in order to save the world through him. I'm no Greek scholar. The only other Greek word I know is feta. <laughs> <laughs> the word used here for send is apostello. It means one cent. One cent forth. Jesus is the forerunner. Jesus is the greatest And the first apostle. He's the sent one. As we see Jesus, as we've been looking in these first three chapters, we see Jesus come in action. We see things starting to turn and things moving. And as we see this, we see some distinguishing marks. We see some distinct. We see lots of distinguishing marks with Jesus. But I just want us just to just have a look at three, if that's all right, this afternoon. And the first mark of Jesus' cam is a, is is one of approval. We see in Mark's gospel, we see John the Baptist is in the is in the desert and he's baptizing people for the forgiveness for the repentance and and uh, preparing the way for Jesus. And this is where Jesus walks into the story. And he's baptized by John. Now Jesus didn't need to be baptized because he needed to repent of sin. But out of obedience we see Jesus baptized. And as he comes out of the water we hear this voice from heaven. This is my Son, whom I love and am well pleased. At the foundation of calling, appointment, and mission is this identity. This identity that we are called, loved, and pleasing to God. This were at the core of Jesus' identity. Another mark what we see in Jesus' life is one of authority. It came with authority. When Jesus taught, he taught with such power and authority that people's lives were transformed. People were set free from bondage. People were healed from sickness and disease. And this caused a sense of wonder and amazement. Mark 1 says that they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? You probably question it yourself, really, not minute. A new teaching with authority. He commanded even unclean spirits and they obey him. Jesus taught with authority. It was a mark on his life. And these things come together so he's approved by God. He teaches and preaches with authority. And the last one is anointed. Is anointed. Jesus spent some time in the wilderness. We've been singing about it. When I'm in the wilderness, when I'm found in the desert place, this is where Jesus was found. Now before he went into the desert, Luke's gospel says he was full of the Holy Spirit. But when he came out of the desert, Luke records that he comes back in the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't despise the desert places. Don't despise those barren times. That's often when God does his best work. Jesus comes out of the desert and he opens his Bible. He's got a scroll. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach good news. Let's have a look where it says. To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover this, this of sight for the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. As we spend time looking at Jesus' calling, appointment, and mission, we see it's one what came with an anointing, we see it's one what came with authority. And we see it's one what came with God's seal of approval. Before we begin to look at the appointing of the twelve. We need to consider Jesus. Before we look how we apply it to our own lives. It's important for us to consider Jesus. The call and appointment and mission of Jesus. Is first and foremost. We'll just, we'll just go back to the this to Mark three and verse seven. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed, from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and Idumea. And from beyond the Jordan and from Tyre and Sidon, when the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. Whenever an unclean spirit saw him, it fell down and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. We join the story, and Jesus' ministry is picking up. The speed of his ministry is picking up. He's teaching about the kingdom of God, healing the sick, and casting out demons. This is causing quite a stir. Jesus' name is up in lights. Jesus' popularity is growing. News of news of him is spreading. The crowds are gathering to him and they're vast. Jesus mania is it the regions of Israel. It's during this highly charged time, in the hustle and bustle surrounded by many people in need, Jesus calls and gathers together the twelve. And then we get the list of people. It always fills me with a sense of hope when I read this list. Cos you've got a bit of all sorts there. You've got a diverse and peculiar bunch. A real different mix of backgrounds, occupations, characters, temperaments, thoughts, ideas. We see fishermen, political activists, inland revenue. And we read at the time they have a traitor in the ranks. You've got a mixture of the proud, the arrogant, the impetuous and doubters. What a diverse and peculiar bunch they are. But they, have all, they all have one thing in common. They're loved by Jesus. We see Jesus calling them. it's not the first time they've heard Jesus' voice calling many of them have heard him before and they've dropped things give things up left families to follow him it's a bit confusing sometimes when you hear Jesus' voice there might be some people in here today a bit confused but Jesus calls and Jesus is calling today. He gathers twelve to him. And then we see him appointed. Jesus gives this gathered bunch of people a royal commission, a royal seal of approval approval. Jesus calls them to serve. Now I used to be a fishmonger. Hey? I like to keep it biblical. I used to be a fishmonger and when we were at fishmongers <laughs> we used to sell royal appointment salmon, smoked salmon. The people who produced the salmon had a seal. The people who sold the salmon, they, they had a commission. They, had a, uh, they were providing a service for royalty. The twelve are now in, a, in the service of the king. They have been stamped With the royal crest of appointment. As we meet the King, we see the 12 are called, appointed, and they're also sent out. Jesus, the one who is on mission, is now extending his trust. Is extending and trusting what is is to them. And we see the disciples. We see as, as Jesus extends his calling, appointment, and mission, as he extends it to the twelve, we see these marks of approval again. Verse thirteen says, He calls those who he desired. Just have a turn around to somebody and say, I am Jesus' desire. You can do it together, can't you? That's what you are. I am desired by Jesus. Just tell somebody. Just tell somebody you're desired by Jesus. (laughs) There you go, eh? There you go. These 12 are desired. You're going red there, Steve, eh? But you're (laughs) you're desired by Jesus these twelve are desired by Jesus they're wanted by him these people aren't unwanted these people aren't undesirable Jesus desired them he wanted them they had his approval We also see the extension of Jesus and his authority. Jesus gives them authority to cast out demons. Up until this point, Jesus had been demonstrating his authority over the powers of darkness and healing sicknesses. But now he's extending it to his disciples. Later in the story, we hear Jesus clearly declare all authority has been given on heaven and in earth to me. We see this extension of authority working out later in Mark and in other Gospels. When, they, when Jesus appoints the 72 and sends them out, they come back. They come back rejoicing. They come back rejoicing because of the fact that in Jesus' name they have authority over the enemy. Jesus extends his authority. He also corrects them. He, always, he, always, he also points them back to Identity. Approval. Don't rejoice that demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. Wonderful. Let's rejoice. Let's rejoice together. With the approval and authority the twelve get, There's also an anointing upon their lives through Jesus. With the appointing comes the anointing. This group wasn't being sent out in their own strength and might, they were being sent out by the Spirit of God. They were not going it alone. For God was with Jesus. And now Jesus was with them and sending them. One of of the twelve, John, writes this. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is on Jesus And now the spirit of the Lord is upon the twelve. And they go out preaching. Healing the sick. And casting out demons. They go out proclaiming the year of the Lord's favour. They go out proclaiming the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. At this time in the story. Jesus is very much with them every step of the way, is there in the calling, is there in the appointing and is there in the mission. There is a time coming in Jesus' own calling, appointment and mission that would lead him to the cross. I'd just like to pause there just for a minute. One of the biggest obstacles for calling Appointment and mission is a misunderstanding of Jesus' call, appointment and mission. Now you see, these disciples had been with Jesus. They were ready to crown him. But Jesus' appointment and mission on earth ended on a hill. It ended on a piece of cruel wood. The king were nailed by six to nine inch nails that hung him there. His crown, want a glorious crown, full of diadems and, and jewels. It were a crown pressed into his head with four inch thorns. Is robe, weren't the robe that Isaiah saw, where it filled the temple, and you've seen glory. This robe was dripping with blood and gave as a mockery by the Roman centurions. And at the base of the cross, they cast their lots just to have this piece of cloth. This is the disciple's king. He's hung there. And every single bit of hope that the apostles had was lost. Sorry if that were a bit loud. Every bit of hope was lost. A misunderstanding of Jesus' call, appointment and mission can leave us with an obscure view of ours there's many things the disciples it were a trauma it were tragic there was great disappointment there was conflict all these things can obscure the view of calling, appointment, and mission. That won't the end of the story, you will be glad to know. Three days later, Jesus rose. He rose from the grave. Victorious. Warrior. Thank you, Andy. Warrior. Defeated. Death. Sin. Sickness. Every tear that we cry, it wiped. Jesus came to the twelve. Well, they were eleven then, actually. He came to the eleven. And he restored them. He loved them, restored them. And reminded them. There's going to be an opportunity maybe a bit later for prayer. Jesus loved them, restored them and reminded them of their call, appointment and their mission. I've got a picture of riding a horse, and all of a sudden the saddle snaps and you fall off. I just believe that's for some of us today, and I put myself in this category. This is the first time I've preached in three years, I fell out of the saddle. But I believe today that there's others today who feel that they fell out the saddle. And I believe Jesus is going to come, gently restore, affirm his love and remind us of who we are and where we're going. after his resurrection, he appeared to the disciples and he gave them instructions and he told them to wait in a specific time, at a specific place, Jerusalem, and at a specific time at Pentecost. And at that point, the promises of God poured out the promises we've been singing about were poured out they started in Jerusalem they went into Judea then Samaria then it says to the very ends of the earth they were commissioned They went with the king's authority, the king's anointing and the king's seal of approval. There's a a guy, a Christian writer, he writes books and Michael Green and he. In the space of three decades, the world is turned upside down. Michael Green writes this, Three crucial decades in world history. That's all it took. In the years between AD 33 and 64, a new movement was born. In those 30 years, it got sufficient growth and credibility to become the largest religion the world has ever seen and to change the lives of hundreds of millions of people. It has spread to every corner of the globe, never did understand that one, every corner of the globe, and has more than 2 billion adherents. It has had an indelible impact on civilization, on culture, on education, on medicine and on freedom, and of course on the lives of countless millions worldwide. He goes on to say it all began with a dozen men and a handful of women. I hope you're not feeling you're in the wrong place at the wrong time at Freedom Church. God has been calling and God has been appointing and God has been sending from before the foundation of the earth. And he's done that manifestly through his son, Jesus Christ. Through the lens of history, we see God calling, appointing and sending people with his approval, authority and anointing. And guess what? The wheels keep turning. The wheels keep turning until God puts the brakes on at the foundation at the heart of all we are and all that we do is this we are a called people we are a we are an appointed people we are a sent people we are missional we are a people in history as he likes to say we're a people in his story for such a time and place as this now i'm not sure what it'll look like for us here as we work it out together and i'm not sure what god's where god's going to take us but he does he knows he knows what we are and he knows what we will be. We are caught up in something far bigger than us. But it does involve us. We are part of a worldwide movement of God. A movement not origi- originated and started, not started in the heart in the in the In the heart of man, but in the heart of God himself. In Christ, in Christ, we are a people marked by love. We're a people marked by his approval. That needs to inform everything that we do and everything that we are. We are approved by God. We're loved by God. There's nothing that we can do. We're loved. We are a people that has been extended authority from Christ. And extended authority comes with great responsibility, as Spider-Man says. With great power comes great responsibility. That's the uncle from Spider-Man. And it's true. It comes with great responsibility... Because God is calling us to be influencers. Authority is influential. In our work, in our homes, in our school, authority is influential. God is calling us to be influential as a people through His extended authority. And we're a people who are anointed. We're a people of the Spirit. We live in that age. The promise has been poured out for each one of us. We live in the age of the Spirit. We've been anointed by God and we're empowered by God for this mission to see transformation in our communities and beyond. We worship a king seated on a throne. Somebody once said mission exists because worship doesn't. God is calling us out. For people to come in the inside needs to go out. God is calling us but not for to fill a church, to fill seats. Worship, mission exists because worship doesn't. We want to see more people glorifying God, worshiping Jesus. We are part of an ever-creasing kingdom. There are more and more people daily meeting the king on a daily basis. There are people bowing their lives and confessing his lordship in their lives. As we meet the king we realise that this king is for us. That this king fully approves of us that we bear his stamp that this king's promises and he promises to be with us till the very end what a faithful king we have we have a royal calling a royal appointment and the privilege of co-working with him in his continued royal mission. Amen. uh, Bex, if you could come up. I'd like to uh, sing this song together as a response. Now, there may be something today that's really struck you, and please come and talk to uh, Phil or Keith or myself especially in the whole area of, of the disappointment. And, but that's not our starting point. That's not our starting point. I just want to encourage us to sing this song as a, dec- as a dec- dec- declaration to Jesus that we're involved, that we're in. Okay, thanks, Bex.